Thanks for joining us this morning. I want to start with a, a funny story, uh, just to get your attention, I guess, a little bit, cause you to laugh. We could all, you know, use some laughs during this crazy time. So since, uh, you know, Easter was just last week, there's a bit of an Easter story. And I'm going to use this kind of as a framing device for, for my message. Uh, it's about an epic fail. It's about when things went, went terribly wrong. So I was reading this story of this Easter play uh, that was done at a church. And, you know, they had quite the production, all sorts of cast members. And uh, things had been going pretty well for the play up until the point of the crucifixion, kind of the, you know, the high emotional point of the story, the most serious part of the story, where Jesus is up there on the cross. And in the middle of the play, when Jesus is up on the cross, all of a sudden the cross cracks and falls over, and there's this loud bang, and the crowd is just in this stunned silence that, you know, you know, the cross has fallen over the play, is seemingly ruined, and all the actors don't know what to do. It's just like the, this mess. They're just in this stunned silence. And then one of the Roman guards speaks up, and he says, Well, Jesus, I guess you get out of it this time. <laughs> See, why I tell you this story of this epic fail, of this mess, is I think we're in a pretty big mess right now. Um, you know, things have just came to a screeching halt. Everything that could have gone wrong seemingly is going wrong right now. And my message today is an encouragement of how we can work through this mess and how we can get out of it. And so it's entitled, By My Spirit, Says the Lord. And it, it comes from a fairly famous Bible verse uh, that many of you probably know, Zechariah 4, 6. And it says this, It is not by force nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's army. Another version says, Not, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Uh, so I'm going to give you some context uh, for the scripture to show why I think this is applicable to our current situation. And this verse comes from an encouragement that was towards a fellow by the name of Zerubbabel. And yes, I couldn't have picked a harder name to pronounce this morning. Zerubbabel. So he's considered a fairly obscure Bible character. No one names their kids Zerubbabel. Um, but he's actually referenced in seven different books of the Bible. Uh, and he played this fairly important role in the history of Israel. So we're going to go into a little bit of that today. And I don't want to recap the entire Old Testament, but just to deliver some context for those that don't know this point in the story, I will say that God's people, uh, the nation of Israel, they had uh, left his favor. They had stopped following his commands. They walked away from God and soon enough found themselves in a mess. And that mess was that these other nations around them, which were much more bigger and more powerful, uh, they came in, they invaded, they kidnapped a bunch of the population, and they resettled them elsewhere. And this is the period of time called the Exile. So Zerubbabel's story comes uh, towards the end of the Exile, when the first wave of Israelites are allowed to go back home. And Zerubbabel is essentially like the governor of that first group. And as he's leading them back, his mission, first and foremost, is to rebuild God's temple. Now here's the problem. His project quickly became an unmitigated disaster. Uh, any, anything that could go wrong went wrong. See, he didn't have enough help. He didn't have enough money. There's this constant bickering and squabbling amongst the people. Um, also, people just left the construction uh, project. Uh, there's lots of political red tape. Uh, they're being constantly harassed by their enemies. So construction just grounds to a halt. And everyone just got discouraged. Uh, you know, the project was done, seemingly, and everyone was just lulled into inaction. And this happened for 16 years. We went through a period of discouragement and inaction for 16 years. 
But then God used some prophets to encourage his people and to get them back in gear. And the prophet Zechariah uh, was one of the ones that encouraged Zerubbabel to get this project back online. And this is what he said in Zechariah 4, uh, verses 6 through 10. This is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel. It is not by force nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Nothing, not even a mighty mountain, will stand in Zerubbabel's way. It will become a level plain before him. And when Zerubbabel sets the final stone of the temple in place, the people will shout, May God bless it, may God bless it. Then another message came to me from the Lord. Zerubbabel is the one who laid the foundation of the temple, and he will complete it. Then you will know that the Lord of heaven's armies has sent me. Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. Here's what I want to take from this story and apply to our current situation. So our lives in many ways have ground to a halt, uh, just like Zerubbabel and the people of, of Israel's did. Uh, and we're also battling discouragement, just like they were battling discouragement. And discouragement can take such a strong hold in our lives that it becomes just another obstacle that we have to face. You know, it just adds a whole other layer of adversity. And it just makes everything seem harder. It makes the mountains in front of us seem harder to climb. And we want to be able to bounce back from this discouragement that we're facing. And Zerubbabel eventually did. It took him a long time. We don't want to wait 16 years. But he eventually learned to trust God. And we need to learn to trust God and rely on his strength, not our own. But how do we do that? That's easier said than done. So that's what we're going to look at this morning. How do we face the mountains of this life with God's power rather than our own? What does it actually look like for us to rely on his power and not our own? What steps do we need to take to get there? So that's what we're going to look at this morning, starting with point one. My first point today is to stop bringing a knife to a gunfight. See, we're going to continually face mountains that we're going to be completely inadequate to handle. And this is what Zerubbabel was facing. He had a situation in front of him that was just bigger and greater than, than he was. He couldn't handle it. So first and foremost, when we're in these situations, have grace for yourself. When you're outmanned and outgunned, have grace for yourself. It's okay to feel discouraged. Emotions are a beautiful thing. Um, you know, God designed them, but they're just merely signals in our brain that are supposed to prompt proper action. We have to make sure that we're going to take the proper action, lest we, we let these emotions take us down to a place that we shouldn't have gone. And we can't let this current discouragement take us right out of the game and, and take us into a place of inaction for who knows how long. Let, let these, these current emotions, these discouragements that are coming your way, let, they be a, let them be a prompt for you to draw closer to God. So here's the thing. Um, God can reframe your situation. He can make you look at it through new eyes. And this is what he did for Zerubbabel, and he can do it for you. You know, he put things into the proper perspective. He let Zerubbabel know that he was there for him. And he helped get people in gear. Zerubbabel tried to do things by himself, and it didn't work. And, and we can't do that either. So step number one, don't play the hero of the story. You were never meant to be the hero of the story. Jesus is called the Savior for a reason. Don't have some sort of Messiah complex. You're not the Messiah. 
when you're outgunned and outmatched and you see a situation that you weren't built for and that you can't handle, step aside and let God into the ring. Let him fight for you. He wants to fight for you. Deuteronomy 20 verse 4 says this, For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies, to give you the victory. And here's another Bible verse I like that's on this topic. This one's nice, short, sweet, and epic. Exodus 15.3, The Lord is a warrior. Yahweh is his name. So my second point this morning is to call in air support. So once you realize that you're inadequate for the situation, and you realize God is chomping at the bit, wanting you to invite him in, well, go ahead and invite him in. Ask for that spiritual air support to flatten that mountain that you are facing. See, it might seem daunting to us, but God can easily blow that mountain right out of the water. And it's, it'd be super easy for him. So ask for help. Psalm 34, 17 says this, When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. God wants to answer your prayers. He wants to come in, in and rescue you from the situation that you're facing. Just ask him. And when you're asking for help, be specific. Mark your target. Say, God, this is exactly what I want you to do. This is the mountain I'm facing. These are the needs that I have. Please help. If you look at the encouragements and the corrections that the prophets Zechariah and Haggai gave to Zerubbabel and the people of Israel, it's very obvious that you know, these are direct and specific answers to the issues that were going on. And you can tell that somebody's prayers were answered and they were answered to a T. They worked on Zerubbabel's discouragement and they built up his confidence that the job could still get done. They also convicted the people who had abandoned the project and left to go work on their own homes and their own, own businesses. And, uh, you know, dealt with all the squabbling that was going on. If you want help for your situation, ask God. And don't be ashamed to ask and don't be ashamed that you need help. He would love to help you. Call in air support. See this mountain in front of you get blown to pieces. My third point this morning is suit up for a fight. Yes, God is fully capable of fighting your battles for you, but actually he invites us to come fight with him. We always have this part to play in the battle. And when we get to go into this battle, we actually get to wear a pretty powerful suit of armor, provided though that we actually put it on. See, the Bible talks about being in Christ. Galatians 3 describes this phenomenon of being in Christ. And it's basically like putting on a new set of clothes. Uh, starting at verse 26 here, it says, For in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. In John chapter 15, Jesus tells us to abide in him, which means to live in him. Acts 17.28 says, In him we live and move and have our being. So this is a pretty big spiritual concept. We have, need to step into Christ. If you find yourself battling discouragement, take a moment to step in Christ and remind yourself of all the benefits that come when you're in Christ, when you're surrounded by Christ. Here's some of them. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. So that means when you're experiencing, you know, all this torment of what maybe your past life was like and the, mistake that you, the mistakes that you've made previously, when you step in Christ, the old has passed away, 
The new has come. The devil can't torment you with all that kind of stuff. You can't bring discouragement that way. Romans 8.1 says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So when the devil is trying to condemn you from either your past or your present, you know, he can't do that when you're in Christ. And then you skip ahead a few verses to Romans 8.37. It says, through Christ, we are more than conquerors. See, on our own, um, we can be people of, of fear and sadness, um, you know, discouragement, dismay. But when we're in Christ, we're more than conquerors. Because uh, even with Christ, we can conquer death. So really any situation that we, 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 we face, we can conquer with Christ. We can conquer anything. Can I get an amen? See, when you're in Christ, you tap into a whole lot of freedom, protection, and power. When Christ surrounds you like this, it's like tapping into his arsenal of power. It's kind of like stepping into an Iron Man suit. For those of you who have seen that movie, he's, Iron Man is just a regular guy. He has no superpowers. And when he steps into this suit, all of a sudden he becomes a superhero that has all sorts of power. That's what it's like for us when we step in Christ. We need to put on our suit. So if you're ever finding yourself outgunned and outmatched, take a moment to reposition yourself. If you feel that you're outgunned, you say, wait a minute, am I in Christ? Yeah, I should be. And then take a moment to kind of reframe the situation of what it looks like when you're in Christ. Take refuge in our almighty God and reframe the situation. See who really is outgunned and outmatched. There's a pretty famous Bible story when this happens. David and Goliath. See, in the natural, Goliath is this mountain of a man. And he had the best weapons of the day, the best armor of the day. And he brought the nation of Israel to complete standstill. Uh, he used fear to just completely paralyze them. But there was a little boy named David that had the courage to stand up and face Goliath. Because he knew that Goliath wasn't the giant of the land. God was. God was the one who was large and in charge. So David showed up at this showdown with Goliath, seemingly ill-prepared. He didn't have the armor or the weapons that Goliath had, and Goliath laughed at him. But, you know, the funny thing was, though, is it was actually Goliath that was outgunned and outmatched. Because uh, David was walking with the power of God, and with him he carried this amazing and this mighty and this powerful arsenal. And with the power of God, David was able to just let loose a little rock from a slingshot. And God took that rock and basically made it into a heat-seeking missile that just took out Goliath and brought freedom to the people of Israel. If you want to operate in God's spirit, get into your battle suit. Suit up in Christ. My fourth point this morning is to catch them and cast them. So what I mean by that is this. The enemy is going to send a lot of discouragement your way. And everything he's going to send is going to be a lie in one way or another. And sometimes these lies are just going to be in our head. Other times it's going to be other people that are going to say things to us that are going to discourage us, discourage us or you know, take us off our game. But either way, when these lies are coming across battle lines, when they're crossing into our territory, our job is to catch them and cast them out of there. When worry and despair enter your dwellings, and you start dwelling on them, catch those thoughts. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. See, if what's coming into your head or what other people are speaking 
um, to you, if it doesn't line up to what Jesus says about you, then get rid of it. You, you know it's an imposter thought when, when, when that's coming in. Uh, Philippians 4, 8 says this, Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. See, if you're fixating on the wrong things, you need to fix your thoughts. Take out the trash in your, in your thought life. So how do we do that exactly? Uh, 1 Peter 5, 7 says this, Cast all your cares on God, for he cares for you. See, all these worrying and despairing thoughts, we need to get rid of them. We need to cast them out of us and give them to God. And the sooner you do this, the better. The less chance they have to take root within you, uh, the better. See, Zerubbabel didn't do this right. So he let all of this despair, all of this discouragement take root in his life. He let all of those uh, you know, negative thoughts and all of those lies just swarm him and surround him. They took him right out of the game. Uh, you don't want to let this happen to you. Don't let the worries of this world bog you down into inaction. Recognize them. And even uh, to write them down when you notice that they're, they're coming in, you know. And surrender them to God. Go through this process of when you're, you're seeing what's coming in, that's a lie. You know, recognize them, write them down, then give them to God. And then begin to reclaim the territory and the productivity that the enemy has stolen. Uh, I think this would be a good exercise for all of us to, to learn and to get better at during this time. Because everyone's overwhelmed no matter what age you are. So parents, even your kids are overwhelmed during this time. You know, I think um, all of us are kind of like a fuming volcano. We can explode at any moment during this time. And I'm sure we've all had some eruptions. And that's totally okay. That's totally normal to experience, you know, frustration. Um, you know, it is a very crazy time right now. Uh, you know, stress is very abundant. But we just need to learn uh, to not, again, let that take us completely out of the game. We need to learn how to express, express our emotions in a healthy manner. So this would be a great time for all of us to learn how to let out our emotions um, in a very healthy, kind of productive, safe manner. So I'd actually suggest um, taking your family uh, through this process of even each day, starting with writing down, what are the emotions that I'm feeling? What are the thoughts, the negative ones that are in my head? What is not of God that is in my thought life right now? And go through this process of catching all of this stuff that's inside you that's not of God. And then after that, go through a process of getting rid of all of those thoughts by bringing them to God and saying, God, these, this is what I'm worried about. This is what I'm feeling. Can you help me out? Um, can, you, can you get rid of these for me? My fifth and final point this morning is wield your weapons. See, we've, we've been given some tools by God to help rain down the presence of God on our situation. There's this beautiful story in 2 Kings 6 where the prophet Elisha finds himself trapped in a city that's surrounded by a large enemy army. And his servant is freaking out because it looks like there's no way out. They're done for. And this was what Elisha's response was to him. 2 Kings 6 verses 16-17. It says, don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are far more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. See, when the, when the servant's eyes were opened, 
to the spiritual realm. He quickly realized that it wasn't Elisha and him that were completely surrounded. It was actually the enemy who was completely surrounded. So how do we get this type of spiritual sight? How, how do we see things from the proper perspective and not get overwhelmed when the enemy is coming at us and, and, and get all worried and flustered? Great way to kind of shift the atmosphere in your homes is to spend time in worship and prayer. See, when we, when we begin to extol the virtues of who God is in, in worship, we become more aware of his power and his presence, and so does the enemy that's harassing us. When we be, begin to dwell on God's goodness and his faithfulness, this is what's called biblical meditation. We don't empty our, empty our minds, we fill them full of things of God. And again, when, there's, when your mind's full of the things of God, there's no room for the enemy and their attacks and their, their, their negative lies that they're sending your way. So there's many biblical examples of people doing this uh, in, you know, throughout history. And as they worship and as they pray, it disrupts and it confuses the enemy. And it ultimately will cause them to flee. So if you want to wage war against this discouragement at this time and this despair that's trying to come in and settle into your soul... Wield the weapons that God has given us. If you want to shift the atmosphere in your, in your homes, and especially for you parents that are stuck trying to teach your kids all these things, and by all accounts, it seems to be this massive mess that's going on right now. You know, I, as I was saying in my last point, I'd start with writing down what are the issues we're facing today? What are the lies that are coming our way? What are the negative emotions that we want to give to God and get rid of? And then after you do that, Spend some time in worship and in prayer. See, parents, you're the captain of the ship now. You're the captain of the education ship. And no one's going to stop you from making the first class of the day God Time 101. See, God's largely been taken out of our schools, and here's a great opportunity to put them back in. So if you need to shift the atmosphere in your, in your home, yeah, spend some time in worship and prayer. What a great time this would be to teach your kid how to worship and how to pray. And it's actually scientifically proven when you spend this time worshiping and you're raising your hands in worship, uh, your stress levels will drop by at least 25%. We were designed to worship. We were designed to cry out to God and to lift up his name and extol his virtues. So wield these weapons that we've been given. And as James 4, 7 says, if you resist the enemy, he will flee. As I conclude this morning, I want to go back to the story of Zerubbabel. See, God gave him this encouragement not to rely on his own strength, but instead to operate out of God's spirit. But when he said this to him, he didn't want this task to become yet another mountain that he had to face. So he encouraged Zerubbabel by telling him, you're going to finish this temple. You're going to make it. It's going to be okay. And so I want to encourage you today that... You're going to get through this. You're going to make it. It's going to be okay. Secondly, God encouraged Zerubbabel by saying this in verse 10. It says, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. So things are going to start off slow. You're not going to wake up tomorrow and be this expert at relying on God's spirit and operating out of his strength and not your own and wielding these weapons that God has given you. But you can start tomorrow. You can try tomorrow. 
and God's going to be excited to see that. He's going to rejoice in you trying. Even before you've accomplished anything, God is going to rejoice over you just because you've, you're trying and you're, you're trying to get better. You're trying to climb out of the hole that you're in. See, the plumb line that is referenced uh, in this verse, it's a measuring tool. It's um, when after the foundation's kind of built and you're doing all these, this measurement and this marking out of where all your walls are going to be and things like that, it's a very slow and tedious uh, process. And so for a long time, when Zerubbabel is, has gone back to work, it's going to look like, for him anyways, that like nothing was happening. Uh, there was no tangible progress being made for a long time as he would mark things out and measure things out. For everyone that was looking at his situation, it would look like nothing is happening, nothing has gotten better. But in fact, he was putting in all sorts of work that was uh, going to make what was to come a lot easier and make things uh, right for what was about to happen. And so once he was done all of this process, I mean, all the walls would go up fairly quickly. And I think for us, there's going to be a period of time where it's just us in a plumb line, it's just us marking things out and measuring things out, trying to figure out an escape plan to get out of this mess, this, this hole we found ourselves in, you know, being surrounded by discouragement and despair. And it's okay, God rejoices when he sees us make this plan and begin to think and turn our thoughts towards, I can get out of this. There is freedom from the situation that I'm in right now. I can get rid of this despair and this discouragement. So, you know, don't, don't get so discouraged that you don't even start. Start and it's going to be hard and then just keep going step by step. And I promise you that you'll find a way out of this hole of discouragement and despair. So let's end in prayer this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you that you're a God of hope. Thank you that you're a God that is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ever ask or imagine. Thank you that you're a God that comes in and rescues us when we need you. God, I pray that what's been taught today, that these people are going to remember uh, certain things about this message, God, that they're just going to stay within their, their soul. And when they come under these attacks of discouragement and despair, that they're going to know that there's a way out, uh, that they can rely on your strength, not their own power. So God, when your people are feeling outgunned and outmatched, may they realize that's okay, uh, and that they can step aside and call you for help, God. And that we can step into Christ and know that we are completely surrounded and protected by you, God. And that we can be on defense, God, when all of these worries and lies are coming our way from the enemy. And we can catch these lies and we can catch these worries and give them over to you. And God, thank you that we have these weapons that you've given us, prayer and worship, that we can shift the atmosphere that we can change the situation of what's going on, that we can bring the presence of God into our situation and cause the enemy to, f to flee. God, I pray for especially our kids this morning who they don't quite understand what's going on in, in the world. They don't understand why they're stuck in their home so much and why so much of their life has changed. God, I pray that you're going to bring them comfort and peace and that you're going to give their parents creative ideas uh, to kind of entertain them but to also teach them of who you are. And this, is, this would be a time, God, that the family unit is going to draw closer to you uh, like never before. This, uh, we're going to come out of this better than we went in. We're going to come out strong. We're going to come out as more than conquerors. In your name we pray. Amen.